Hello, and welcome to the Anxiety Rx podcast, a show created by an anxiety specialist and neuroscientist, me, that offers unique, practical, and actionable advice to help you understand what anxiety truly is and exactly what you can do to empower yourself to resolve it. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Kennedy, an MD who suffered with crippling anxiety for 30-plus years, and traditional therapy from psychiatrists and psychologists really didn't help me feel better. And I also didn't like being on psych meds. In 2013, after burning out and leaving medical practice, I came to the conclusion that if I was ever going to heal my anxiety, I would have to do it myself. And that's exactly what I did, drawing from experiences with psychedelics and holistic healing and combining those modalities with my scientific academic background in medicine, neuroscience, and developmental psychology. Here on the Anxiety Arcs podcast, I offer a distinctly non-traditional and non-medical approach to understanding and healing anxiety. So despite the fact I'm trained as a physician, in no way is what I say and suggest to be construed as medical advice because none of the ways I use to resolve anxiety has anything to do with traditional allopathic medicine. From my own healing, I've created a distinctly non-traditional understanding and approach that helps thousands of people from all over the world understand and relieve their chronic anxiety. So if you're ready, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Anxiety Rx podcast. This episode, I'm going to talk about why your doctor, your medical doctor, is probably not the best person to help you work through your trauma. And there's a number of reasons for this. This is going to be, this is kind of near and dear to my heart, so I may ramble a little bit because it is so emotional to me because I saw so many doctors mishandle patients who had clearly had trauma and we're trying to treat them in a medical model and it just doesn't work that way medical doctors aren't trained in trauma in fact they kind of avoid it like the plague because they aren't trained in trauma so if you're not trained in something you're not really want to you're not really going to want to embrace it because you feel like a fish out of water which a lot of medical doctors do And there's a number of reasons why we're not trained in trauma. And one is that it takes too long. It takes too long. When you get seven to 10 minutes per patient, you can't deal with a patient's concern if they've been physically, sexually, emotionally abused, neglected, bullied, abandoned. You just can't do it in that time. And it's outside of the model of our training. Our training is highly pharmaceutically based. And not that there's something horribly wrong with that because pharmaceuticals can improve our quality of life considerably. It's just doctors don't have anything else other than pharmaceuticals, especially when it comes to dealing with mental emotional issues because they're not trained in it. They don't understand it. They don't know where it comes from. You know, if I say something about the younger self or an inner child to a group of doctors, they immediately think that I'm some sort of, you know, woo-woo spiritual nut. And that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem. Back in 1997, when we had the Adverse Childhood Events Experiences study, Adverse Childhood Experiences, medical doctors started coming on board. They started saying, oh yeah, look, these people that have had trauma in their youth are much more likely to have, say, arthritis at 40 instead of at 70, or fibromyalgia, or irritable bowel. There's all these so-called quote-unquote diseases that show up because of trauma. 
And if you don't understand trauma, if you don't understand how the body reacts to trauma, especially the child's body reacts to trauma, and how it creates disease overall, you're going to be at a real disadvantage as a doctor. So I'm disappointed in my colleagues in some ways. In other ways, they're a tool. Doctors, medical doctors are a tool, just like chiropractors are a tool, just like naturopaths are a tool, massage therapists. We all have our scope of practice. You know, you're not going to get in a car accident and be lying on the pavement crying out for an aromatherapist. Not going to work that way. But I think with medical doctors, we get trained to be dispassionate. And I think in that objective scientific mind and model, we lose some of our humanity. And it's been shown through medical school. The four years of medical school, empathy drops every single year because, for one reason, doctors, medical students are stressed. So when you're stressed and you can't, you know, you can't manage your own life and feel comfortable and safe in your own life, and doctors are stressed. They have the highest suicide rate of any profession. Doctors are stressed, but we're trained to just keep going. You know, you work 36 hours and then you're just supposed to take that in the stride. You see someone die in front of you. You're just supposed to take that in stride. There is no way that doctors can release their trauma because we're not trained in trauma. And in fact, we have a, like, we sort of, you know, do that thing when you're a kid, when you don't want to hear your mom say something. It's like, and we're kind of like that, doctors with trauma, because we experience our own trauma. And a lot of people who went into medicine, including myself, went in because we were traumatized children and we were looking for something that would give us the illusion of control but we didn't know it was an illusion. We just thought it was some form of control. So I was afraid of illness when I was younger. So I became a doctor, kind of a dumb move actually, because now I'm surrounded by a bunch of ill people, sick people. So it's kind of like the tree surgeon who's afraid of sap. Anyway, we doctors don't really understand trauma. We don't understand how it works and we treat it in a different, we treat it as if it's a medical problem instead of an emotional dysregulation, nervous system dysregulation problem. And I would have patients who I would treat with hardcore opiates for chronic, chronic, bad, bad pain and say back pain. And I would do a CT scan, MRI scan, the whole bit, and it looked perfect. There wasn't really anything on their scan that would suggest that they had any serious illness, but they had this horrible pain. And that's one of the ways that trauma presents. It presents in pain that isn't easily diagnosed or easily found on our test, yet these patients are complaining of severe pain. I have no doubt that they have severe pain. The other flip side of that too is that when people have significant pain, doctors tend to prescribe painkillers. Now, painkillers have an effect of calming the emotional mind as well as the physical mind. Now, if you actually look at how opiates, morphine, Dilaudid, Vicodin work, is they don't change the pain itself. They change your perception of the pain, which is basically what we're doing with mental aspect. We're changing the perception of our emotional pain. So when you take an opiate or heroin, 
you change your perception of your your childhood pain or your pain in general. And I think that's why so many people on the streets are addicted to opiates because exactly that. They have this emotional pain that hasn't been resolved with, say, traditional antidepressants or medication. And that's the only thing that works. That's the only thing that provides them with some relief. Most addicts don't take the medication to get high. They take the medication to escape the pain. And the pain mostly comes from childhood, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, abandonment, loss, having to grow up in a family where you had to be an adult while you were still a child, while you had to look after your parents instead of them looking after you. That all creates trauma. And there's no real consistent definition of trauma. I kind of play around with the fact that anything that dysregulates your nervous system on a permanent basis towards the negative, see, again, it's not a, a real defined thing, but anything that dysregulates your, your emotional system, your nervous system permanently is trauma. Anything that dysregulates that emotional system that puts you in a fight or flight or freeze, that dysregulates that on a regular basis is trauma. And if you look at the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, when one is on, when the sympathetic is on, the fight or flight is on, the parasympathetic rest and digest is supposed to be off. And the opposite, when the rest and digest is on, when parasympathetic is on, the sympathetic is off. It's kind of like the gas of the brake. So the gas, the accelerator, is the sympathetic fight or flight nervous system. The brake is the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, ideally, there's supposed to be a teeter-totter. But in trauma, you get what's called co-activation. So they're both active at the same time. The parasympathetic tries to shut us down, and the sympathetic tries to rev us up. So our, of, of course, our system's dysregulated. And medical doctors don't understand that. And this is one of the reasons I think people have irritable bowel syndrome is because both the sympathetic system, which is trying to calm your bowel down so you can digest, and the parasympathetic, which is trying to make your bowel contract to move food along so you can digest, are in opposition to each other. So if you've got something that's revving up your bowel and shutting it off at the same time, it's probably going to cause pain. Fibromyalgia, same kind of thing. If you've got the sympathetic system causing tenseness in your muscles, and then the parasympathetic trying to relax those muscles, you're going to get pain. Anytime that the nervous system perceives crosstalk or a signal that's inconsistent, often it will start making sense of that by, by saying to your brain, it's pain. This is pain you're experiencing. And we can teach ourselves to have pain. And this is very difficult for medical doctors to understand. So we will see somebody with perfectly normal tests yet complaining of very severe pain. And it's almost always trauma. And then the doctors order more tests or do surgery or whatever. They don't look deeper into what actually could be causing this from the patient's past. And it's, it's such a travesty because we're, we're missing, as medical doctors, we're missing this huge, huge part and then if you look at medical doctors, too, their suicide rate, the stress rate, 
we can't be empathetic if we're in fight or flight in our profession as well. It's very difficult to be warm and connected to your patient when you are in high sympathetic, high stress yourself. And I think this is one of the reasons why doctors are burning out is that they're, they're in this high stress level. They're having these problems that they're seeing in their patients that are coming from trauma. They're treating them as a normal medical pharmaceutical route with the normal pharmaceutical route, and it's not working. So they're getting frustrated. So not only are they burned out themselves, they're getting frustrated with these people who have trauma because we can't figure them out. And then we start blaming the patient. You know, the patient failed therapy. The patient failed therapy. Who failed the therapy? Like, who failed the therapy? So we're blaming it on the patient. If, if the patient doesn't get better, it's their fault. Which again, which is this blind spot that medical doctors have for trauma and its effects and its long-term effects in the human nervous system. So the ACE study was really big back in the 1990s and then doctors started to really embrace it. But then, as I said earlier, they didn't know what to do with it. Like, we're not trained in this. This obviously looks like childhood trauma causes adult mental, physical, emotional illness. We don't know how to do anything about this, so we're just going to forget about that. We're just going to push that off to the side. And half of the medical school graduates today in the 2020s have never heard of the ACE study because doctors don't have a clue about how to deal with trauma. And I would love it if doctors would start understanding that these patients that are coming in that have these chronic pains that we can't seem to help or get addicted to medications. And when they get addicted to medications, we start looking at them negatively. People who are, they're addicts, you know, they're drug seekers, whatever. But they're really just trying to ease their own childhood pain. That's what they're trying to do. But it's so easy in the medical profession to kind of label, because that's what we do. We're splitters in medicine. We're, we try to split, okay, there's OCD, there's bipolar one, there's bipolar two, there's all these we're splitting all these diagnoses when really they all come from the same source. They all come from unresolved childhood wounding. That's the source. So if you're trying to treat unresolved childhood wounding with a medication, it's not going to work very well because that's not the root cause. The root cause is this child that's in this person that never got seen, heard, loved, and protected in the way that they needed, and it's showing up in their physical body. And then we're trying to treat them with medications, which appear to work because they blunt that pain response, but they're not actually doing anything for the underlying cause, which is exactly what I'm talking about with antidepressants. Antidepressants have never cured anybody, but they blunt the pain. And that's, in a way, as medical doctors, that's kind of the best we can do, is blunt the pain if we stay with the same model that we're in now. And I don't see it changing. I just see more awareness among medical doctors. And it's starting, like trauma-informed care is starting to become a thing. But doctors, as a general rule, when they see trauma-informed care, they think, oh, woo-woo, like, no, not going to do it, not going to go there. Because it's so outside of the realm that they were trained in. And they've lost a lot of empathy over the course of years. And how could you not? Like if you're dealing with sick people day after day after day after day, and a lot of them aren't getting better, of course you're going to burn out. 
Of course you're going to feel like, what am I doing here? And doctors, some of the doctors that I know, will buy a boat or a bigger house or whatever. And then they have bigger mortgages and then they have to see more patients because they have more things to buy because it it helps them. It helps them with their stress, but it just creates this cycle. And if doctors don't recognize the effects of trauma, specifically childhood trauma, we wind up treating people with the wrong bullet in a way. We wind up treating them with medications because that's how we're taught to do it. We're taught to treat people with medications. We don't understand about sitting with a patient and really finding out about their abusive father or the fact that their mom died of cancer when they were nine. We don't go into that because A, we're uncomfortable with it. We don't have training in it. And it goes against our fundamental issue with treatment, which is medication. You know, if, if someone lost their mom at nine, are you going to medicate these people? Like, is, is that really the answer? I don't know. I don't think so. So I'm not, I don't want to slag on doctors. I really don't. But I really want them to understand that if a patient presents in a way that's very atypical, or you've given them all sorts of medication and they're just not getting better, think childhood trauma and refer them to someone who works in that field. Refer them to someone who does somatic experience and therapy, or refer them to someone who does internal family systems therapy, or even to some extent psychedelic therapy, although that's, to me, that's kind of a last resort. And I noticed that a lot of the medical doctors, psychiatrists are, not a lot, but a few are getting into this psychedelic realm, which I think is a, is a step forward for sure. But if we're going to look at healing people with this spiritual medication, which these psychedelics are, but we're still going to cram them into a scientific model, I don't think that's going to work either. I think we need an understanding in the medical profession that this is trauma that we're seeing in our patients. And we need a better way of dealing with trauma. Now, we're not trained in it, and we're trained in a pharmaceutical model, which is fine. But at least be able to see that, okay, this person's presenting with chronic pain that I can't do anything about. Rather than sending them to a psychiatrist, send them to a somatic practitioner. Send them to someone who does internal family systems therapy. Send them to someone who does therapy that, that roots in the body, that roots in the nervous system, as opposed to just talking about it cognitively or treats it with medication. Because there is this... <laughs> This great saying that says, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I believe that medical doctors are trained as pharmaceutical hammers. So everything we see, we kind of treat like a nail. We kind of treat like, here's the medication for this. Here's the And it does help on some level. It does numb the symptom. But the symptom is often a sign of that child in us that needs to be seen, heard, loved, and protected. And that child often feels pushed away in general when the adult in us doesn't want to go back and visit that child because that child holds all our pain. So we distract into shopping or the internet or whatever we distract into. We just kind of throw a blanket over that child and expect them to just go away. But they don't. They create mental, physical, emotional illness in us. And unless we go back and find that child 
and show them they're seen, heard, loved, and protected in a way now that they never were back then, we're not going to heal. We're just not. You know, we're going to blunt symptoms and, you know, medications are very good at blunting symptoms and allowing us to, to keep going, go on, but it's not going to move us towards healing. And I think the doctors are going to feel more frustrated because they're going to have patients that just don't get better with their, the model they're trained in because they're trying to de- the doctors are trying to fix the wrong thing. They're trying to fix the, emotion, the, the physical ailment when the root cause is much deeper, much farther upstream. Go for the root cause. And you guys have listened to me. The, the people who listen to me know this analogy. It's like being in a rowboat and there's a hole in the hull and the rowboat's filling up with water. Now, you can bail water out of that. You can go to cognitive therapy. You can take medications. You can bail water out of that. But until you go underneath and patch that hole in the hull and fix the root cause of the problem, which is the alarm that's stored in your body from old, unresolved childhood wounding and pain, once you start fixing that hole in the hull, fixing the alarm, the emotional symptoms and the physical symptoms just start to fade away because there's nothing to feed them. I had a message from a patient of mine that I was seeing about six months ago who was petrified of driving her car. She sent me a message a couple of days ago that says, I just woke up and I went out, I started my car, I drove around the neighborhood, I drove on the bigger streets, I drove downtown, I drove on the highway, and then I drove home. And I didn't feel scared, but I didn't feel good either. And I said, that's how you heal, is basically we found that younger version of you that was in a car accident when you were seven and felt abandoned. And now that we've kind of helped you move through that trauma and that alarm has gone down, your mental excuse, your mental story that I can't drive was being fed by that alarm. And when that alarm fades, the story fades. And that's why I believe you just got up one morning, went out to the car and started driving which is what I see because we're treating the underlying root cause of the problem rather than say having doing some cognitive therapy and saying, you know, driving is safe. You're so much less likely to get into a problem, you know, in your car than you are at the grocery store or whatever. I don't know. I'm making this up. But really it's, it's dealing with the root cause of the issue, not the symptoms. And as doctors, we're treated to numb, we're, we treat to numb symptoms. That's basically what we do. And when we do that, we throw a blanket over that child and basically say, you're not important. And that child's going to get louder and the pain's going to get worse. So let's treat the root cause of the issue and let's show medical doctors that the way that we're doing things as MDs needs to be open. It needs to be open to trauma. Not saying you have to change because you can stay within your training and then refer out to people that may deal with these chronic issues in a better way than you can. Because I know those patients when I was practicing were very frustrating to deal with because I would just keep giving them more and more medication. And it would help in the short term, but they were back. They need more medication addiction issues, all this kind of stuff that causes medical doctors a lot of stress. Oh, they're an addict. Oh, they're a drug seeker. 
No, they just want something that will help ease their childhood pain because you can't see it. And if you can't see the root cause of their problem, of course you're going to burn out. Of course you're going to feel like what you do doesn't matter because you're not getting at the root. So as medical doctors, it's our responsibility to start looking closer at trauma. Not that we can fix it, but that we can be aware of it so we can possibly send them, refer people to places where they can get that trauma treated. That would be my hope. And I'll see you next time. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And if the Anxiety Rx podcast resonates with you, consider getting my book, also coincidentally called Anxiety Rx. Or you can follow me on any of the social media platforms at The Anxiety MD or my website, www.theanxietymd.com. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you the next time on the Anxiety Rx podcast.